And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them clothing tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And then you know what happened? They were all speaking in tongues and they fulfilled the prophecy of Jesus in Acts 1 and 8. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And they began to go out in the streets of Jerusalem and become that witness. And they were speaking in tongues. There were devout men from every nation there, out of every country. And they were standing there and they were amazed. And they said, are these not all Galileans? But how do they speak? speaking our own native tongue. And they said, this is the wonderful works of God. But others mocked and said, no, these men are drunken. But Peter fastened his eyes upon them with the leaven. He said, uh-uh, these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's only the third hour of the day. But this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about, that in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and upon my handmaidens and upon my servants. I will pour out my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. How many knows that the Holy Spirit's still being poured out upon the church today? Hallelujah. Jesus said, if I leave, I'll send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. He's not gone. He's here with us. Can you give the Lord praise again? Hallelujah. But today is not only Pentecost, it's Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is a special day, and not only do we honor the death of our loved ones, but many of you will go to the grave in the cemetery today, and you'll, you'll show respect to your mother, your father, your grandfather, whoever it might be that's died in your family. But it's a day that we honor our heroes. It's a day that we honor those that have died for our country and fought for our freedom. It's a day that we recognize what them men done, how they sacrificially went out and give their lives that you and I will be able to have be able to have the freedom to come into this service today and to worship the Lord. I don't know about you, but we need to respect those men and women, those brave men and women to men and women today. Would you just stand and honor them and give God praise for them great fallen heroes that's given their lives for our country? And every branch of government and even even uh, those that's even the Christian faith. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord, for those men and women. We give you glory for that. Amen and amen. Praise the name of the Lord. You say, well, which one are you going to preach on? Are you going to preach on Memorial Day or are you going to preach on uh, Pentecost? Neither one. I'm going to preach about the one that made it all possible. You see, one of the things, not taken away from what our men and women done in war and the, and the different branches of government fighting for our country because we just honored them, and I mean that with all my heart. But folks, they fought in vain if there had not been another death. If there hadn't been one man died, then that was all have been in vain. And that we're going to talk about that man a little bit today. His name's Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? The Lord's laid this on my heart this morning. I don't know who God's setting up here today, but God's setting somebody up to be blessed. Look at somebody and say, you're here not by accident today. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, just turn to familiar passages of scripture. How many knows what the golden text of the, what they call the golden text of the Bible is? It's John 3, 16, right? But we don't really pay much attention to verse 14 and 15 above it. Would you look at John chapter 3, verse 14 and verse 15? Pretty familiar to us when we read it. 
but it says, maybe they'll get it up there in just a moment. I forgot to give it to them this morning. John chapter 3, verse 14 and verse 15. The Bible says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. May the Lord add his blessing to the word of the Lord this morning. In this passage of scripture, it reveals to us the purpose and the reason for the crucifixion and for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The crucifixion of Christ was spoken of in reference to or likening to the brazen serpent of Moses within the wilderness. In Numbers chapter 21, we see the reason for the brazen, a brazen serpent. It was raised by Moses for the saving and the healing of Israel because of their sin. Their sin was due to them murmuring against Moses, which was actually murmuring against God. Let me stop right here and pause and give you a warning. Folks, first of all, be careful not to talk about or run down the children of God because God takes it very personable. I don't care who's, who's, I don't care how bad your child gets out in sin. I don't care what kind of things that they get wrapped up in. I don't care what kind of evils may befall them. I want you to understand that even if it was my child that was out there doing gross immoralities and different kinds of things, I want you to love him. I I want you to pray for them. I, I don't mind you even correct them, but, but don't be bashing them because I take that personal. If you're going to jump on somebody, jump on me personally, but don't jump on my boys. Don't jump on my children. I take it personally as a father. And I want to tell you, so does God. And when we have children of God that have backslidden, they don't need to be talked about. They don't need to be bashed. They don't need to be talked on, on the internet about. They don't need to be uh, cursed. They don't need to be uh, slandered. Come on, somebody. Help me out of here this morning. It's our responsibility as a church to pray for them, to love them, to forgive them, to be patient with them, to reach out to them, to edify them, to encourage them, to love on them. Sometimes they don't need to be told they're in their sin. They just need some loving. Can I have some amen here? And I want to tell you, one of the things that God done here is that God sent fiery serpents among them because they murmured against the man of God. They murmured against Moses. The Bible tells us that our words will either justify us or our words will condemn us. And we better be very, very careful. We definitely do not want to speak against God's authority or God's anointed. And a lot of times when we say that, we say that in reference to a pastor or to a prophet or to an evangelist. I want to tell you something. I may be a man of God, but everybody in here that's blood-bought, washed in the blood of the Lamb, male or female, they're women and men of God and they're just as anointed as anybody else. Don't talk about God's people. Can I have an amen? Somebody give the Lord praise about that. <laughs> amen. <clears throat> and as a result of their sin, there were sent fiery serpents which represented de devil and demons uh, because the book of Revelations 12 and 9 and also Revelations 20 and 2, the devil is called the serpent, the old dragon. Uh, and we also know that we see that the, we see the serpent, uh, the devil, that was used to tempt and to beguile Eve in Genesis chapter 3 verse 13. The Bible tells us that the fiery serpents bit many of the children of Israel and the end result is that many of them were killed and many of them died. Hundreds and thousands of them died. And can I tell you, everyone that was bitten under the influence of Satan died. What does Romans 6 and 23 says? What does the wage of sin bring? It brings forth death. You can't get away from it. You can't ignore it. It's gonna, if you sin, death is gonna fall upon you. That's what the Bible tells us. This is why the Bible tells us as children of God in Ecclesiastes 10 and 8, he gives us a warning. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it and 
and whosoever breaketh the hedge, a serpent is going to bite him. In Ephesians 4 and 30, it says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God to whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. And then the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 27, neither give place to the devil. One of the things that I want you to understand is that all of us that are blood-bought, that are washed, that have been born again, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. He says, don't grieve him by giving place to the devil. Come on, somebody. One of the things I want you to understand is that when we sin, we break our spiritual hedges and the spiritual seal of the Holy Spirit that surrounds us and allows the devil to have access into our life. Be careful the way that you live. Be careful the way that you conduct yourself because if you sin, you let down a hedge and the serpent's going to bite you. I want to tell you, you remember Job? He had a seal around him, didn't he? Then, matter of fact, God looked at the, the, the serpent and the old devil and said, have you considered my servant Job? And he said, yeah, but the problem of it is I can't touch him. You got a seal of protection around him. How true that is for every single one of us in this building today. You may think you're weak. You may think you're vulnerable. You may think that you don't have any strength. But I'm here to tell you that if you'll live right and if you'll do right, there's a seal of the Holy Spirit of God upon you. And he which begun a good work in you, he will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of your faith. He's the author and the finisher of it. Trust in the Lord and you'll see that he'll make provision for you and you will be able to stand in the evil day. Can you give the Lord praise for the hedge of protection? Amen. But when we let down our hedge and the serpent bites us, then the devil, the serpent bites us and interjects his poisonous venom into our lives that causes us to have blurred vision, irresponsible thinking, and a slur speech. It affects the way we think, the way that we talk, and the way that we walk. And matter of fact, we become drunken by the spirit of this age, and it's nothing more than spiritual illusion and deception. And I want to tell you, I had a friend that was a drunkard. He was an alcoholic. He was a good man when he was sober, but when he became drunk, he was mean as a snake. And matter of fact, he would drink that alcohol and he would think, I can drive. You can't drive when you're under the influence. Can I have an amen? Because you're all over the road. And a lot of Christians, they come into the service, they sit down and they begin to, you know, they begin to think they can go out in the world and take a little bit of this and try a little bit of that and do a little bit of this without it affecting you. I want to tell you, you're just like the drunkard. You don't understand it, but you're thinking is being uh, twisted and your talk's being slurred and your walk's being changed. You can't hide it. It's going to be revealed. Don't think that you do not, uh, you will not pay the consequences of sin because when you sin, the enemy's going to bite you and when the enemy bites you, everything about you changes. And then you get under the deception and you begin to be deceived and you think you can do that kind of a lifestyle and just say your little prayer at night, oh God forgive me and do it again the next night, oh God forgive me. And and the problem of it is you're being deceived by the lie of the enemy. Can I have any? Is somebody in this house going to help me preach this morning? It's deception. Amen? It affects everything about you. It'll bring death to your home. It'll bring death to your family. It'll bring death to your children. Everything you touch will be cursed, not blessed. 
It's serious. This is serious stuff. I don't know why the Holy Spirit laid this on my heart, but he did. We become influenced by his poisonous venom and we fall under his spell. And then there is formed in us strongholds, which is nothing more than mindsets from demonic, d demonic influence. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, listen to what Paul said. Wherein in times past we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of air, the spirit that now now worketh in the what? Children of disobedience. He's talking about the believer, not the sinner. He's saying at one time, those of us that were born again, we walked according to the course of the world. We were influenced by Satan. We, we walked according to the fulfillment of the flesh, of our, the, the, the fulfillment of our flesh and the lust of our eyes and the lust of our flesh and the pride of life. He said that's how we operated, but not anymore because we've been washed. We've been sanctified. We've been cleansed. But there are children that have been sanctified and cleansed, but they drifted away. And what has happened? They have become the children of disobedience. And then he said, among whom we also had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even, even the, children of, uh, the children of wrath that is to come. In other words, what the Bible is telling us, wrath don't just fall on the unbeliever, wrath falls upon the children of disobedience. There's a price to pay for our sin. Be sure that your sins will find you out. You can cover it up. You can hide it. You can do all you want to do. But I want to tell you the end result is that sin's like a cancer. It eats away at your life. It'll take you further than you want to go, and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And before it's all over, it brings death. And then you think, what in the world's happened? How did I get here? And then you're possessed with all kinds of strongholds and addictions. Come on. And you got a name that's been ruined. You got a name that's been marred. You got to start all over again. Help us not to sin. Can I have an amen? But as a result of the people dying, the people came to Moses and they said, hey, we got a problem. We got death in the camp. Look at what's happened. We're being destroyed. We have sinned for we've spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. First of all, that they had to do is they had to confess their sin. The first thing they had to do, they had to even acknowledge what they did. They said, this is what we've done. We've spoken against you and in return, we know that was speaking against God. And we're sorry. And would you now pray to God that he take the fiery servants away. If we'll confess our sin, what does the Bible say? He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the first thing we have to do is to confess our sin. A lot of people want to be forgiven, but they don't want to own up to what they've done. They don't want to even admit what they've done has been wrong. Come on, that's pride. That's egotistical pride. And God wants us to come clean with our lives. Folks, I know this is a Pentecostal Sunday, but I want to tell you, you can't have Pentecost till you have a clean heart and, uh, and you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit only after you've yielded yourself over to Jesus Christ. We want the power of the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost to fall, but the thing we got to understand is we can only have the Holy Ghost to fall upon sanctified, cleansed lives. It's been by the way of the altar. Can I have an amen? Somebody help me preach. I'm preaching Pentecost now. The Holy Ghost is given to those of a subsequent heart, clean heart. 
Moses prayed and God spoke to Moses and said, make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Thank God for the provision of God. If it wasn't for the provision and the mercy of God, we'd all be consumed. Aren't you glad that if we sin, that God has a provision? I love what 1 John says. 1 John says, these things I write to you, little children, that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who's the perpetuation for our sin, and not only our sin, but for the sins of the whole world. God's got a plan to deal with your sin issue. God's got a plan to deal with your addiction. God's got a plan to deal with your strongholds. He knows how to handle it. He knows how to break the curse off your life. He knows how to give you life in the place of death. Can I have an amen? Aren't you thankful for Jesus Christ? Oh, hallelujah. They confess and Moses prays and he builds this fiery serpent and he puts it on a pole and he lifts it up as God tells him to. The serpent was lifted up on a pole representing Christ lifted up on the cross. And even though in our day the cross represents salvation, it represents freedom, it represents peace and the church has chosen it as the royal symbol and the royal standard of the church. When you go into most churches, what do they have? They have a cross. We talk about the cross. Why? Because the preaching of the cross is the power of God and the salvation for us that believe, but to them that perish, it's foolishness. But I want you to know that we have the cross as our symbol, but Christians, we even wear them around our neck. We display them in public. We show the symbolism of the cross, and we adore the cross, do we not? How many adore the cross of Jesus Christ? Yet in biblical times, you got to understand something. The cross is a symbol of judgment. In biblical times, it was a common way for criminals actually to be punished and put to death. It was for the lowest of the lowest. It was for the despised and it was used for capital punishment. It was used as an act of judgment for crimes that were committed. Crucifixion was a shameful mode of punishment because the cross was considered a place of curse. Can I have an amen? And even to touch a, a cross in biblical times uh, was considered an act of pollution and even to carry it for someone was a disgrace. It, it, even reptable men shrank back from it because it was made for the greatest of criminality. Christo said, let the very name of the cross be far away, not only from the body of the Roman citizen, but even from his thoughts, his eyes, and his ears. That's how they felt about it during the time of Jesus. Notice that the serpent was a brazen serpent. It was made out of brass, which is a symbol of judgment. When you look in the Old Testament, everything that was made out of brass was a tool of judgment. Matter of fact, look at the brazen altar, the brass altar. What happened there? It was where the sacrifices was laid. It was where the sacrifices was burned. It was a place to appease the wrath of God. It was a place of judgment. And when the people looked upon the brazen serpent, their sin would be judged judged and they would be forgiven. Even so, Jesus Christ was judged in our place and he took our judgment by being raised up on that old cross. Can you say, well, God, that ought to make us shout. The Bible tells us that. Hallelujah. In Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, the Bible tells us that he, that he, uh, he surely has borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgression. 
He was bruised for our iniquity, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and through his stripes we are healed. Thank God that he's been lifted up on the cross, and everybody that looks to him, they're saved. Galatians 3 and 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. Thank God that Jesus became the curse in my place so that I would not be cursed. Jesus became cursed so that I could become blessed. First Peter 3 and 18 tells us, For Christ also suffered for us, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us unto God, being put to death in the flesh, and being quickened by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Because of God's holy nature, sin cannot just be ignored. It cannot just be winked at. God commendeth all men to come unto repentance. How many? God once winked at sin, but now he commendeth all men to repent. Can I have an amen? He can't just sweep it under the rug. He can't just ignore it. Like you and I, we just we just take our little sins as a petty thing, and it's the little the termites that's destroying the mighty foundations. We don't have the power of God in the church anymore because we got too much things being swept under the rug, trying to be covered up, but there's nothing covered that shall not be made known. There's nothing hidden that shall not be made revealed. God's going to bring a light to every single thing. Be sure that your sins will find you out. You can't hide it. You can't sweep it up. Sometimes when guests comes over at the last minute and they knock on the door, first thing that happens, Jenny goes wild. She'll lift up a rug, boom, throw something under it. You know, just to hurry up to straighten things up so when people come in, everything will look nice and tidy. That's the way we are with our lives. We want to just kind of hide it and tuck it up. We come to church and we put on our facade. We come in with our smile and we put on our greatest attire and we walk in and we flop down, but inwardly, we're like dead men's bones. We know without a shadow of a doubt that our relationship with God is not right. But we want to put it out there that dad don't find out and mom don't find out and brother don't find out and pastor don't find out. But I've got this issue going on that's tucked away in my closet. I got the door shut right now, but when I get home, I open the door and that free access of that driving spirit will constantly hound and mock and ridicule. It'll take you deeper and deeper and deeper and you think you got it here, but you don't. This is why the judgment came upon Christ, the just being uh, the, he was the just because the Bible says he was a point, he was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Do you not understand? Therefore, he and he alone was able to condemn and destroy sin in the flesh because of his sinlessness. There is no one else that could have took our place on that cross. Muhammad couldn't do it. Buddha couldn't do it. They got all these different gods. I want to tell you, they sinned and they needed a savior. But Jesus Christ knew no sin. There was no God found in his mouth. He was holy. Can I have an amen? Somebody give praise. Can you stand and give praise for the holiness of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God help us here this morning. Let the Holy Ghost have his way in this place. 
The spotless, sinless Son of God was able to do what no other man could do. That's why that Paul wrote in Romans 8 and 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God sent in his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. Christ became our substitute and everyone that looks to him becomes justified in the sight of God. Hallelujah. That's why that Romans 5 and 1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justification brings us into harmony with God and gives us the peace of God instead of the judgment and the wrath of God. You who sometimes were afar off, you're made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. And though you were alienated from God and his blessings, now Christ has brought you in under the umbrella of his blood and adopted you and brought you into the family of God. Now you are chosen. As many as received him, to him gave you power to become the sons of God. Aren't you glad of that? Oh, hallelujah. So the whole reason for the brazen serpent was to remove judgment off of the people and to bring healing to those that were bitten. The Bible tells us that all of us have been bitten by sin. The scripture tells us in Romans 6, 3, for we all, say all, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this building has had a bite of Satan at one time or another in our lives. We were born in sin. We come out of the womb in sin. But even though some of us have been saved and born again, even since that time, if you'll be honest and if you'll be truthful, there's been times you've let your guard down, you have allowed the serpent to bite you, and you've become, for a moment of time, influenced by the enemy. Don't be so self-righteous with me. I know human nature. I know human hearts. And there are times of weaknesses when we fail. So even as the brazen serpent was for the saving of the healing of the people, even so the reason Jesus came and was lifted up on the cross was for the sole purpose of healing and saving us. Hallelujah for that. Just as a serpent was made for Israel's provision in the wilderness, even so Christ was sent as the free gift of God to be our provision. Do you not understand the reason that God sent his son? So that he could save you. Can I have an amen? This is why that Luke 19 and 10 says, the son of man has came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his job. That's why he came, to seek you out. You didn't choose him. He chose you. You didn't didn't go looking for him. He came looking for you. And then by the Holy Spirit, he convicted you and drawed you and wooed you to where you could come to the knowledge of your sin. You don't even know that you need a Savior without him seeking you out. That's how wonderful our Savior is. It was declared from the angels at his coming that he had come to save. Listen to what Luke 2 and 11 says. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ our Lord. I love that. And then the angels again declared in Matthew 1 and 21, and she shall bring forth her son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save, say save, his people from all of their sins. Listen to what Paul testified in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It was Paul that said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners and whom I am chief. Luke 9 and 56 says, For the Son of Man came not to destroy men's lives, but to 
save men's lives. I like what John 12 and 47 says. I have not come to judge the world, but I've come to save the world. John 3, 17, after the great golden text, for God sent not a son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John declared in 1 John 4 and 14, and you have, uh, you have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And this is why the men of Samaria, they said unto the woman at the well in John 4 and 42, now we believe not because of thy word and because of your testimony, for we've heard him ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. It's good that we have the testimony of others. It's good that we hear the witness of others, but there's nothing like seeing him for ourselves. Can I have a name? Somebody needs to see him today. High and lifted up. And his train filling the temple. Can somebody give him praise in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even Christ's common enemies testified of who he was and they didn't even know it. I love this passage of scripture. It's tucked away there in Mark chapter 15, verse 31. Likewise, also the chief priest and the scribe mocking him and said, he saved others but he himself cannot save. In other words, he's not saving himself. He's not coming off the cross. It was destined that he didn't come off the cross. He had already prayed and sanctified his will to the Father. Lord, if there's any way possible, let this cup pass from me, this cup of death. I don't want it to, but nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine. He done the will of God by going to the cross and dying and hanging on it and suffering for the sins of humanity. But they even testified that he saved others, his common enemies, but he can't save himself. The Virgin Mary herself said, as the angel angel's salutation at his birth. In Luke chapter two, verse 11, my soul does magnify the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. We wanna lift old Mary up and say, oh Mary, thou art highly favored among women. You're a holy woman of God. The Catholic church just takes it to a full extreme. But I got news for you. Even old Mary needed a Savior. Even Mary had been bitten by sin. Come on, somebody. She was born into sin just like you and I are born into sin. And the reason why, but it says, well, how in the world was Jesus born in her? Because the sin issue was passed through the man and not through the woman. And can I tell you that it is the man's seed that, that where the curses are. And the generational curses are brought through the man to the baby, to the womb. And let me tell you this, old Mary, she brought forth a son, but the problem was she wasn't impregnated by she wasn't impregnated by a man. She knew no man. It said, how is this going to, when the salutation of the angel came, it said, oh, Mary, fear not, you're going to bring forth a child. And she said, how's this going to be? She said, I do not know a man. And I want to tell you what happened. The angel said, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And the power of the house is going to overshadow you. And the holy thing that shall be born in me shall be called the Son of God. Oh, Hallelujah. Well, somebody give him a shout. Huh? That's why he's holy. His father was the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? Romans 5 and 8 says, but God commended his love to us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. What a marvelous picture of redemption. John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not. The devil ain't come to do nothing but to kill, to steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son has not life. Can I have an amen? 
Come on, somebody. Well, I'm, I'm preaching Jesus here this morning. This is why that Jesus said in Luke 4 and 18, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, the recovering of the sight to the bind, to set at liberty to them the bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what he came to do for you and me. The whole purpose of Christ's death and complete reason for his coming was to save and to heal. Acts 10 and 30, how that God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went around doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Can I have an amen? I love 1 John 3 and 8. He who practices sin is of the devil for the devil sinned from the very beginning. Amen? But the Son of God was manifested to destroy, say destroy, the works of the devil. He that practices sin is of the devil because the devil sinned from the very beginning. But the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Just as everyone that looked upon the serpent was healed and forgiven, even so everyone that looks upon Jesus Christ is pardoned and forgiven. Everybody, I don't care who you are, Hitler could be saved. Come on. Acts 2 and 21 says, The whosoever, say whosoever, shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10 and 12, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon his name. Say all, all. Listen to what 1 Timothy 4, 2 and 4 says, God would have all men come to the knowledge of truth and to be saved. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, God's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but God is long-suffering to usward that would not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. John 7 and 37, what did he say? In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. For as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spanky of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says any man, if any man, I don't care who you are, it don't matter where you're at, don't matter how bad things are. Well, I've just done too much bad. No, you haven't. I, 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 I've just messed up and there's no repentance for it. That's not true. I want to tell you, somebody's here today bound and God's wanting to set you free. Know the truth and the truth will set you free today. I'm here to tell you somebody's under the influence of the spell of Satan, but I curse that deception in the name of Jesus Christ. I come against that. The blinders shall fall off. There's going to be the captive freed here today in this service. Somebody's going to get saved here today. Hallelujah. Those that are bound are going to be bound no more. All of us in the old day, we all walked according to the course, but now we're washed. Now we're sanctified. In other words, we've all been there. We've all had to come by the way of the cross. And you say, well, you're just fortunate. No, because this gospel's to whosoever will. It's to whosoever calls. It's to whosoever will come. It's to whoever will confess. It's to whoever will come and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. And you're the only Savior. I trust in you. And that's all there is to it. Can I have an amen? Oh, help somebody here today. Romans 8 and 12 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered us up, delivered him up for us all. And shall he not then freely give us all things? Hallelujah. He delivered us up for us all. So why, don't we, why can't we accept that he's freely going to give us all things? Some of you Christians are bound. Bound, struggling with false guilt and 
condemnation, the, the rot of the enemy's tactics. And yet Jesus said, why? God is, God's delivering him up for us all that he might freely give us all things. You're a candidate to receive a miracle today. Can I have an amen? Romans 5 and 18, therefore, as by the offense of one, the offense of one judgment came upon all the condemnation, even so by the righteous one, the free gift came upon all men, not just some men, all men, unto justification of life. 1 Timothy 2 and 4, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation is what? Appeared unto all men. It's for everybody. Listen to Revelations twenty two seventeen. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth come. Let him that a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him come and take of the waters of life freely. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to purchase it. You don't have to be good enough for it. Everybody wants to stand around, well, when, when, I, when I quit this and when I get this taken care of, no, 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 you can't get rid of your sin. There's only one sin antidote. It's called the blood of Jesus. Amen. You can't cleanse yourself up. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. You can't purchase it. It's a free gift to God. And God said, come as you are. Come as you are without one plea. Oh, but the blood was shed for thee. Oh, hallelujah. Do you not understand what God's got to offer you here today? This is the greatest Christmas gift that you could ever receive. He came, we celebrate that Christmas was the time again. What a gift. And every Christmas morning we wake up, we're thrilled to open those gifts, but there's one gift that many will not unwrap because they just don't, can't accept the truth that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Oh, mighty God, help us. I'm feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit here today. This is why Jesus told the church. He told us, he gave us the great commission, how important souls are. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. He gave us another command in Matthew 22 and 9. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you find, bid them to come to the marriage. God don't want anybody saved. He's even got the church out pursuing you. His own brides out witnessing and praying for you. And do you not understand how many times you've been prayed over probably by some of these people right here in this church? And yet, some of you that are bound, some of you that can't let go of an addiction, some of you that are struggling, I want to tell you that there's power in the name of Jesus. Every curse can be broken because cursed is the man that hanged on that tree. And I have an amen. We don't have to wall around in self-pity. We don't have to wall around in guilt. We don't have to wall around in our past. Well, you don't understand. I had abortion 13 years ago, and I can't get over it. You can get over it. Amen? You don't understand I committed murder. You don't understand I'm homosexual. You don't understand I've lived a life of perversion. It don't matter. You'll be the first one I'll put my arms around and I'll love you and I'll embrace you and I'll declare unto you the holiness of God and the love of Jesus Christ over your life. No matter how dirty you are, no matter how deep in the trenches you are, I'm here to tell you, God will pull you out of the horrible pit, plant your feet upon a rock, he'll establish your goings. Just look up, your redemption's drawn nigh. It's offered to you here today. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just as everyone who looked upon the serpent was healed and forgiven, even so our text says that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, 
but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. When that gets boring to us, we're in trouble. Amen? Those that will look to Jesus Christ will have sin's effect broken off of their life. The penalty of death, hell, and the eternal separation from God has been destroyed. Isn't that what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, through uh, 57, O death, where's thy sting? O grave, where's thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God. Say, thanks be unto God. Who give us the victory? Say, who gives us the victory? Now, this is what I want you to shout. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our victory. That's our banner. This is why Isaiah 1 and 18 said, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, I've had to apply this so many times to my life and hear the beckoning call of God where he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lonely in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. I love John 6 and 66, 6 and 37, and what a powerful promise. All that the Father giveth me cometh unto me, and he that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. In no wise cast out. I'll not ignore him. I'll not reject him. Everybody that comes to Christ, you got a promise. He ain't going to ignore me. He's not going to reject me. He's, gonna, he's not going to treat me like everybody else treats me. When I become before him, I'm not the underdog. I'm the pearl of great price. When everybody says I'm not worth anything to him, he was, I'm worth more than the world. What shall a prophet a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Can I have an amen? To him, you're the apple of his eye. To him, you're the chosen possession. To him, you're the earthly treasure. <laughs> I've never looked at myself as very valuable. And to most, I'm not. I don't look at myself as a rich man that has prestige and honor. I, I walk around and some people don't even know my name or even identify. I'm even in the room. But I promise you this. When I come into the presence of the king, I'm everything to him. No matter what anybody else thinks, it's no matter what he thinks. Can I have a, I'm a chosen diadem. I'm a chosen, I'm, I, I, I'm a chosen jewel in his, in his eyes. Can I have a, I'm his treasure. That's why that First Peter 5 and 7 says, casting all, casting all, not some, all, your care upon him because he cares for you. This morning I just come to you with this wonderful message saying God loves you. Say, well, I've been playing a fool, part of a fool for some time now. I, I, I'm just bound. I'm just being bit, and I, I need help. I want you to come. Well, I, I've done that before. I don't care. I'm telling you, there's deliverance for people. I'm telling you, it don't matter. There's deliverance. And there's a special anointing here for us to lay our hands upon you today. To break down sin's curse. Cursed is every man that hangeth on that tree. Jesus became that curse and he broke that curse so that you might be free. So would you stand with me this morning? Josh, would you and Randy come and some of you men and face the front, get ready to receive the people. We're going to lay our hands upon them and all of the staff, deacons, elders, we need you to come. Ladies. 
Holy Spirit. Oh, come on. I think we got to give him praise for that promise. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Give him a victory shout like on the day of Jericho and the walls come to him. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Those of you that are in need of strength, in need of enablement, you're weak, you're frail, you're tired, you're heavy laden, whatever. Those of you that need to be saved. Those of you that have never been born again, those of you that's never become a believer, just start walking these aisles and grab a hold of one of these people and they'll tell them your need and they'll pray for you. Folks, obey the Spirit of the Lord here this morning. He has had me preach this on purpose. Don't be ashamed to say, you know what? I just need a brand new touch. My strength from yesterday is gone. I need a brand new touch, Lord, in my life. Right now, if you're sick, if you're hurting, if you're confused, if you're battle-torn, if you're tempted, if you're tried, if you're struggling in any fashion, form, or way, this is the hour of deliverance for you through the blood of Jesus Christ. So start walking them aisles. Right now, there's somebody that needs to be saved. Saints, pray. I, I can almost go on what section they're in. He has, the Lord hasn't shown me who it is yet, but there's somebody really battling in their spirit. They need to step out and be born again here today. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, have your way in this building. Would you come right now, right now, before we start with the, as these people are praying, we'll pray for you. Step out. Anybody that's got a need, this is the hour of deliverance. It's the hour of meeting your need. Christ, the Redeemer, he's here to help you. He's here to encourage you. Hallelujah. I know it's Memorial Day, folks. Take a moment to honor the death of Jesus Christ for who he is for you. In Jesus' name, oh, Holy Spirit, have your way right now. Holy Ghost, touch the people through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Break every spirit that's upon them. Break every spirit of heaviness and give them the garment of praise. God, I pray, God, let their mouths leave out of here laughing. Let them be regenerated and renewed and justified and forgiven and sanctified and cleansed, healed and empowered. God, every, every life that's come up here with a need, meet that need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus because you promised that you'd meet all of our needs, whether they be physical, spiritual, financially, emotional, whatever healing we need, God, you're here to heal. 
You have been lifted up on that cross, and through that provision, we can come to you and cast all, not some, but all of our care upon you because you care for us. You care, Lord, and you want to help us. You want to help us in our time of need. You want to help us in our dilemmas. You want to help us in our trial and our afflictions. Now, Father, minister through the goodness of God in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We praise you, Holy Spirit. We praise you, Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, have your way. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit.